Since HIV was first identified as the cause of AIDS, researchers have set their sights on developing a vaccine against the virus. But so far, that goal has proved elusive. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Dan Baruch, Director of the Center for Virology and Vaccine Research at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center and Harvard Medical School, and a program leader at the Reagan Institute of Massachusetts General Hospital, MIT, and Harvard. Dr. Baruch has written a perspective article on the quest for an HIV-1 vaccine. Dr. Baruch, in your article, you outline several challenges to the development of an HIV vaccine, the first being the virus's tremendous genetic diversity and mutational capacity. So how have researchers addressed this challenge, and what do you see as promising strategies to overcome it? Well, thanks, Stephen. It's a pleasure to be here today. I'll first emphasize the scope of the problem that you raised which is truly unprecedented in terms of the genetic diversity and mutational capacity of HIV. If we were to draw a parallel with influenza, then we would see immediately that the degree of global diversity for HIV is vastly greater than the degree of global diversity for influenza. And if we need to have a flu vaccine every year, then how are we going to develop immunogens for an HIV vaccine that would be relevant for the global epidemic. It's clearly a problem of unprecedented nature that has never been addressed by vaccinology before. So to date, the vaccines that have gone into advanced clinical efficacy trials have really focused on natural sequences of the virus, and those clinical trials have been geographically localized. So for example, in the RV144 study, which was conducted in Thailand, the inserts that were included in the vaccine were specific for Thailand. They were clade B and clade E inserts. While that was appropriate for that region of the world, it required the generation of a new vaccine completely for testing in South Africa. And that is exactly what's happening now. A new vaccine that's related to the RV144 vaccine is being made but it's entirely a new vaccine and therefore requires years of manufacturing and early phase clinical testing before it's ready for testing in South Africa. So unfortunately, using simple antigens in vaccine constructs is technically very difficult and requires many years of effort because it requires the generation of new vaccines for each region of the world. And one could even argue that there is too much diversity even one region of the world for any given vaccine sequence. Also, the logistic complexity of manufacturing, producing, and ultimately delivering different vaccines to different parts of the world may not be logistically possible. So given those constraints, there are research efforts aimed at addressing this problem using bioinformatics. For example, there are efforts to develop so-called mosaic vaccines, which involve the generation of synthetic antigens based on bioinformatic analysis of global HIV diversity. And these synthetic antigens aim to best cover the global HIV epidemic using the fewest number of antigens possible. The degree to which such an approach will indeed address the problem clinically remains to be determined, but will be tested over the next several years. There's also other approaches to try to focus immune responses on conserved antigens, both for T-cell responses and for antibody responses. And of course, the holy grail would be to develop an envelope protein immunogen that can indeed raise broadly neutralizing antibodies against conserved regions. However, that currently is not possible. So in summary, 
researchers are trying to develop ways to broaden the immune response, to have better coverage of diverse viruses worldwide, as well as focus the immune response onto particular conserved T-cell or antibody epitopes. To dig into that a bit, another key challenge is the lack of any natural immunity to HIV-1 that could serve as a model for inducing immunity. So in that circumstance, how does one go about studying potential immune responses? That is another key challenge for HIV vaccine development, that unlike for pathogens for which we do have clinically effective vaccines, such as smallpox, such as polio, the generation of those vaccines involved clear evidence of natural immunity. For HIV, there is no evidence to date that anyone has cleared the virus through immune responses. And therefore, we do not know what precisely are the immune correlates of viral clearance or viral protection. Therefore, we have to proceed in vaccine development without knowing exactly what types of immune responses we want to generate, which of course is a challenge and it involves some uncertainty. So the best way we have going forward is to do detailed immune correlates analysis in the context of successful human efficacy trials of vaccines and, to a lesser extent, successful preclinical studies in non-human primates. Probably the best example to date is the immune correlates analysis in the RV144 study, in which researchers found that there was a correlation between higher levels of antibodies against particular regions of the envelope glycoprotein and reduced risk of infection in vaccinees. That finding, of course, was done post hoc and therefore needs to be validated, replicated, and the degree to which it may apply to other vaccine platforms, of course, is not known. But it is a start. In the context of preclinical studies in non-human primates, there are substantial advances in immune correlates analyses, and those are very informative. However, non-human primate studies have limits, and so feedback from human clinical efficacy trials is the most critical. And because of that, I think there's a strong argument to proceed with more clinical efficacy trials in order to have better feedback about the types of immune responses that are needed. If we did know exactly the type of immune response needed for protection, HIV vaccine development could proceed much more quickly because then we would essentially optimize vaccines to generate that precise response. In the absence of that type of certainty, then we have to proceed in a much more diffuse manner, which intrinsically is much more time-consuming. What have those clinical trials taught us about the HIV virus itself? Well, there have been four concepts that have completed clinical efficacy testing in humans. I think fundamentally, the clinical efficacy trials to date have taught us that developing a vaccine against HIV is a challenge. It's clear that neither simple antibody nor simple T-cell responses will alone be sufficient, and so novel strategies need to be pursued. A second lesson that we have learned from the clinical efficacy trials is that the results often are surprising. I think many researchers would not have predicted the outcome of the STEP study involving the AD5 gagpol NEF vector-based vaccine, and many people were quite surprised with the outcome of the RV144 study. However, despite HIV vaccine development being difficult and often surprising, we do have an initial proof of concept that an HIV vaccine is indeed possible through the modest but low-level protection seen in the RV144 study. And so we do think that an HIV vaccine is indeed possible to develop, which also is another call for the need for more trials to explore those possibilities. And have the trials that have already been undertaken illuminated some possible approaches for those future trials? 
Well, I think that's a much more difficult question. I think that anything that has shown some efficacy in humans should go forward into further testing. But of course, we hope that future vaccines will be substantially more effective than those that have gone before us. And so we know that there need to be certain immune responses that need to be either greater than or different from immune responses that have been generated by existing vaccines. In terms of the exact type of vaccines that should go forward, there's not a single clear answer, except that I think it makes a lot of sense not to put all our eggs in one basket. And it would make a lot of sense to have several different diverse but promising approaches all go forward. Speaking of eggs and baskets, given our lack of success in producing an effective HIV vaccine, would it make more sense to invest in research on potential cures for HIV disease? Well, historically, vaccines have been the most effective tool for prevention or control of global viral epidemics. So I think history is on the side of vaccines, that if it's possible to develop an HIV vaccine, that will be the most likely path toward controlling and ultimately eliminating the HIV epidemic. But clearly, we need to do both. The HIV research field should not only focus on vaccines, but also on therapeutics and cures. And for a problem of the global scope and magnitude of HIV, having these two major foci of research, I think, is well worthwhile. Clearly, both are needed, and likely both will be responsible for the ultimate control of the worldwide HIV epidemic. They also don't occur in isolation. The vaccine research field and the viral eradication or cure research field have increasing overlap and synergies, particularly in the area of immunology. So advances in immunology, such as the discovery of broadly neutralizing antibodies, clearly has a major impact on both fields. So the research fields are synergistic. And so it's not a question of doing one or the other, but it's really a question of how best to do both. Finally, what makes you optimistic about eventually finding an HIV vaccine? I am optimistic. I think there is valid scientific reasons to be more optimistic now than before that we will indeed be able to develop an HIV vaccine. However, we of course can't put a timeline on it, and it will certainly be quite a number of years. Probably most importantly, as I mentioned earlier, the RV144 study did show a low level of protection against HIV in humans suggesting that there is a proof of concept that a vaccine is indeed possible. That's a very important statement because five years ago, we didn't have that proof of concept and there was a widespread speculation that it was theoretically impossible to develop an HIV vaccine. Now we know that's not true. So now it's a question of how to develop the best HIV vaccine. Secondly, there have been major advances in our understanding of HIV immunology. Probably the two most important categories is the discovery of large numbers of broadly neutralizing antibodies, suggesting that the human immune system, in certain cases at least, can indeed make highly effective antibodies. And secondly, the demonstration in both humans and in animal models, the potential role that virus-specific T-cells can have in very effective control of virus. In addition, there have been a series of non-human primate studies that have shown better protection of the next generation of vaccine candidates compared with the previous generation that's already been tested, giving us substantial hope that better vaccines are going to be tested in the near future. And lastly, I think the pipeline of HIV vaccines, although it's not nearly as robust as we would like, certainly has a number of promising and exciting vaccine candidates that are coming down the road. So 
So I do think that the HIV vaccine field will continue to progress and hopefully will eventually result in an effective and a safe HIV vaccine. Thank you, Dr. Baruch.